Today we continue in our series on the parables of Jesus, or as we're talking and calling them, the bedtime stories of Jesus. And this morning I want to share with you one of my favorite bedtime stories. Are you my mother? Does anybody else know this book? My mom used to read this to me so much that I had it memorized growing up. And of course, my mom, being the creative mom she was, she would always change the words, right? And it's, no, that's not what it is, mom. That's not what that says. And she'd be reading through it and she'd change out. But it starts off the story about this book is, I'm not going to read the whole story to you, don't worry. A little bird is hatched and Getting ready to hatch, a mama bird leaves the nest. My baby's getting ready to come, and I got to go get some food for my baby. He's going to be hungry when he's born. And she leaves a nest. And sure enough, the egg hatches. And the little baby bird looks around and goes, Where's my mom? And he jumps out of the nest or thinks he can fly, and he falls out of the nest and goes and he tries to, he looks up, he looks down, he's looking all over. He finds kittens, he finds cows, he finds chicken. He looks all over the world, finds dogs. He's looking all over the place trying to find his mom. Y'all are catching the old reading this, right, as I'm going through, through it? I know y'all are some speed readers, but I don't know if you can read it quite that fast. He eventually leaves the ant farm, and he goes and finds goes to a junkyard and finds this car. And he goes and he sees his boat, and, wait, come back. And, no, you're not my mom either. He's a jet plane, and, wait, there, no, you're not my mom either. And finally he goes to this construction site, and he finds the snort the snort. He says, are you my mom? Snort. But you, are you my mom? Snort. And the snort, he just cries and the snort picks him up and carries him. He goes, where are you taking me? Oh my, where's my mom? And he take, the snort takes him and he's all upset and he's sad and eventually the snort plops him right back into his own nest. And there he finds his mom. The little bird had been looking all over for his lost mom. She, he was so sad. He didn't realize that all along his mom was waiting for him. Looking for him, longing for him to come as well. She'd been sitting on the egg, waiting for him to come. And then she left to make preparations for him to come. Today we're going to talk about lost things. The bird, the baby bird was lost. Didn't realize it. His place where he needed to stay was right there at home because mom was coming back. In our lives today, we are lost. Don't, know, don't even know it many times. And yet Jesus is there diligently seeking us longing for us, doing whatever it takes to draw us back to himself. This morning in adult Sunday school, Rod was teaching about Jesus saying to God, he says, God, I don't want to go through this. If there's anything else I can do, let me do something else. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't have to take the sins of the whole world on my shoulders to appease a holy God. And God says, that is why you came. This was your purpose so that you could redeem mankind. So that all mankind would be drawn back to me. And this morning as we're going to look at two passages here. Things that were lost. God went and found. 
humanity that was lost, God went and found and did whatever it took to redeem mankind to himself. Two weeks ago, we talked about the grandness of the kingdom and how wonderful the kingdom of God is and that we, as his children, need to do whatever it takes to find that kingdom, right? But today we're talking about what God did whatever it took to redeem us back to himself. He had the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, how valuable they were and how the farmer went and he bought the field. The pearl merchant went and sold everything he had to buy that one pearl that was so valuable. The, the farmer went and sold all that he had to buy that field so he could collect that, that treasure that was in that field. And yet today, God looks at us and says, you are valuable. You are so valuable that I'm going to do whatever it takes. This is not. I'm going to do whatever it takes to redeem you back to me. Maybe you're like me and you've struggled with your own holiness. You struggle with your own desire to live, to be perfect in front of God, before God and men. When I was in high school, I used to think I had to be perfect. I was a believer. I've been a believer since I was seven years old. I bowed my knees and I trusted Christ as my Savior to free me from my sins. But I lived with this idea that I had to dress a certain way, had to walk a certain way, had to live a certain way, had to speak a certain way, had to be perfect to earn God's pleasure in me. And that came out in my lifestyle with my friends, and I was trying to live as holy, holy life before them to show them what a good Christian lived. Right? Anybody else struggle with that? That was me. To struggle with the idea that if I did not live my life just perfectly, that somehow maybe God was going to judge me, that somehow maybe God was going to keep his blessings back from me, that he was this big God in the sky who was going to strike me with his lightning bolt, say, you evil creature, you did not live 100% perfect. Right? All the time, not realizing that God had already forgiven me. Yes, we are to strive to live a holy, pleasing life to God. But God looks at us once the sins have been taken away, and he goes, you're my child. I have done all that is needed for your holiness and for your righteousness. Let my Holy Spirit fill you and grow in my grace. It's not about you trying to be better. It's not about you trying to do it in your own effort, in your own power, in your own strength, which is our nature, right? It's our nature to try to do it in my own strength and my own power and saying, God, I don't really need you. I can do it all myself. That was the Pharisee's problem. I can do it myself. That's the Western mindset here in the, in the, in the Western of the U.S. is I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. We built a land for ourselves. We have this land this, here in, in, the, in the mountains with the government wasn't involved, with, involved in very much, and we did it all ourselves. That's a lot of North Korea's problem as we lived over there. They said, we can, pull, we can be our own people. We can live, and we are the Juche people. We are the people of North Korea. We can do it all ourselves. We don't need anybody else's help. 
And yet, God says, depend on my strength, on my power for your holiness. Depend upon me. Let me find you. Let's look and see what God has to say in his word about this. See what God's attitude is toward us. Luke chapter 15 this morning. We're going to read through a few verses here. Read through it and make a few comments. And then some application at the end. Luke chapter 15 verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Isn't that that the case? The Pharisees and the scribes. Everyone else is drawing near to God, near to Jesus, to hear what he has to say. And it's the religious people in this world, in that world, which had the problem. It says, The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Those with the awareness of their sin knew they needed help. Remember previously, Jesus had said, It's not those who are well the need of doctor. It's those that are sick and those that you have to first recognize your sickness before the doctor can heal you. Verse 3. It says, so he told them a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he says, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. What is that saying about us? The sheep wanders off by itself. The shepherd puts all the other sheep in the pen and leaves and goes out after the one. That relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is priceless. As much as we look at the the treasure in the field or that pearl of great price to go, the kingdom of God is priceless. God looks at you and you and me and he says, that relationship with us is priceless. He longs for that relationship. He desires that relationship. All of his creation, all this beauty, all the animals, all the trees, all the environment that we live in is awesome. But God says, you are priceless. And I'm going to go and seek you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to find you. Maybe it means going down a cliff to find the, the sheep that's fallen down or in a hole or in some bramble bushes where it's stuck and it can starve. Whatever it takes, I'm going to go find the sheep. And then he takes the sheep and he throws it over his shoulders. I love the picture. Throws the sheep over his shoulders and brings it back home. And he goes on, verse 8. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and diligently seek until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me! 
I have found the coin that was lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, in Palestinian times, the new wife was given as her dowry generally 10 coins, 10 days' wage. And so she's got these 10 coins that are, even if something happens and her husband divorces her, she can take these 10 coins with her. And this is her dowry to go with her. This is her value. And if she loses one of her coins, not just does it have some physical value, but it's also got sentimental value. Maybe an engagement ring. Maybe something special you brought into your marriage. A a new dress, a, a new piece of something your mom gave you to go into the marriage with you. It's special. It has sentimental value. And she loses this coin. And she takes the lamp, the oil lamp, and she's looking around, trying to find it, because likelihood, she didn't have very, if she had any windows, they were really small. It's much easier to construct just a solid wall than it is to put a window, and a, cut a hole and put a window in that wall, right? It's cheaper to just leave a solid wall. So this woman likely did not have a whole lot of money, so she's looking around the whole house with this lamp, trying to find the coin. Where's it at? Behind this cupboard and behind this cupboard and looking in the cracks in the floors and sweeping out the dirt, trying to find this coin. And when she finally finds it, she said, Look! I lost the coin, that, the one that coin that was lost. I found it. Rejoice with me. In the same way, the Bible says, whenever a lost sinner repents of their sins, comes to faith in Christ, God says, look! He's mine. Here's this precious coin. And the angels rejoice. They throw up their hands. There's a party in heaven whenever someone gets saved. Woo! Jump up and down and we're going to dance. We're going to sing. We're going to have a great time. They rejoice when a sinner comes to faith again. Just imagine yourself. Imagine that relationship. In the story of the shepherd... It seems weird that the shepherd would leave the 99, right? Maybe in the open country or leave them all by himself. But remember back then, a lot of times shepherds would put their, their flocks together for protection and for, to travel together. Or in case one shepherd gets sick, the others can help out. Think of like Abraham and Lot, how their flocks were together until there was a problem and they had to separate. So likelihood the, the sheep were not left all by themselves. But when the shepherd comes back with the sheep over his shoulders... All the other shepherds can rejoice together. I don't know if you know this, but either, but a lot of times when these sheep would wander off, if they had the habit of wandering off, the shepherd would have to hobble that sheep to teach it to trust the shepherd. Break a leg, set it, and then have to carry that sheep on his shoulders until it was healed. That's a lot of effort. When my father-in-law, when he's got a horse that won't behave, he hobbles it by tying up its leg. He puts a little wrap around it and it wanders around with three legs. Teaching it to stay put. It can't run off. It has to behave. And then eventually it learns to trust my father-in-law and then he can let the leg down. 
the sheep over the neck, possibly even with a broken leg. And maybe if it, if it didn't have a broken leg from its fall down into a pit or whatever, the shepherd has to discipline it. Think of us as well. What does God have to do to us to draw him to himself, to keep us with him? There is discipline that goes on. When we wander away from God, yes, he seeks us and he finds us, but when we choose to go our own way, when we basically say to God, my righteousness is fine. I don't need you. I can do things my own way. We're telling God, go away. Talk to the hand. How does that make God feel? How does that make God feel when we tell him, I can do it myself? I will choose my own path. I will choose my own way. I will choose to live my life the way I want to live. I don't care what you've laid out before me. I don't care what you've, how you're directing me in Scripture. I don't care what you're directing me within the body of Christ. I'm going to do what I want to do, God, and you don't have nothing to say about it. How does that make God feel? Imagine if you're God and one of your creation told you that. Imagine as a parent and one of your kids tells you that. Go away, I don't need you. Magnify that thousands and ten thousands, hundred thousand times, and that's God. Because it's not just me telling God to go away. It's me and you and you and you and all the rest of this city and all the rest of this state, all the rest of this country, the rest of this world telling God, we don't need you. We can go our own way. Now, if that was me, <laughs> I'd be going, fine. Take off. Go do your own thing. I don't need you either. Fine. And, and, and as a parent, sometimes I want to tell my kids that. Anybody else with me? Any of the parents? Sometimes, I see the hands, okay? Sometimes you want to tell your kids, go, do your own thing. You're going to not listen to me. You're not going to obey me. You go do your own thing and don't come when you're hungry. <laughs> but this is where God's grace and his mercy shine so brightly. It's so evident God's grace and mercy is there that even when we reject God, even when we've told God, take off, God still is there going after us, going after us, sweeping the floor till he finds us. He's searching high and low in the brambles and the pits till he finds us and brings him back to himself. Isn't God's grace and mercy awesome? He does not leave us alone. He is constantly drawing us to himself, constantly drawing to himself, constantly sending his Holy Spirit, constantly drawing us to himself. Why? Because you're priceless. You are a priceless treasure to God. Imagine what would happen 
if you were to really fully know and understand this point. I don't mean just knowing it here. If you fully knew how much God treasures you and me. That sheep who's been brought back to the fold, that sheep who's been rescued from the brambles, that sheep who's been rescued from the pit, looks at that shepherd a whole different way, doesn't he? How do we view God? Imagine what this world would be like if all of his people, all of God's people looked upon him and go, with that awe, with that expectation, with that wonderment, and says, God, you are awesome. You have gone to lengths that I can't even describe, I can't even understand, to redeem me to, again to yourself as one of your children. Imagine what it would be like if we allowed ourselves to be found instead of hiding. Imagine what this world would be like if we embraced God's plan for us personally. See, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And his call to us is embrace it. Embrace what I've got for you. You've got 80, 90, 100 something years on this earth. Embrace my plan for you. Take what I'm giving you. Take this, let me take your sins away. Embrace what I've got in store for you. And I don't know what it is for you. I, I only know what it is for me. I don't even know what it is for my kids. I pray and ask God to bless them, that God will reveal it to them. But sometimes his, what they view their, his plan is for their lives has changed over the years as they grow and as they mature in their faith. I don't know what God's plan is for you directly. I do know what he wants for you. I do know he wants us to come to him humbly, seeking, saying, God, here I am. Imagine what life would be like if we, allowed us, if we rediscovered what was lost from the beginning. That precious relationship with God. Remember, you're priceless. As much as we look at heaven and say, wow, that's something to be sought after, something to be longed for, something to go in and find. God says so much more. You are precious. You are priceless. I want that relationship with you that was broken back in Genesis chapter 3. That's a long time. Rediscover that relationship. So what do we do? How do we do that? It's not just 24-7, 365 days a year. It's actually 10-10-1. Ten minutes a day in his word. Ten minutes a day listening to God in prayer. And sharing with one other person every week how priceless they are. If we want to truly make a difference in this world with the people that are around us, we want to truly make an impact in our city and our community, it starts in here. It starts on my knees. It starts sharing the truth of God's word with those around us. See, this world is so full of people who are pushing God away. 
This world is so full of people who say, I can do it myself. They don't realize they're lost. The sheep, it wandered off. I can still see the flock. It sits over there, okay. And he wandered off to his own thing. Oh, the grass looks green over there. The coin rolled away, left its other nine brothers and sisters behind. Work with me here. Put itself in the crack until it was found. The sheep got itself lost until it was found. This world does not even know it's lost. It doesn't know what it needs. But we do because we've been told. We've been shown by God in His Word, in His love letter to you and I. We've been shown in His love letter that you are priceless. I am priceless. Your coworker is priceless. Your manager is priceless. Your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, your grandchild is priceless. And God is seeking them. So this week, my challenge to you is start 10-10-1. 10 minutes in his word. 10 minutes on your knees. Sharing with one person every week about how much God is seeking them. See, God has placed you in, around people that I'm never going to get around. It's not my job as the pastor to win Denver. It's our job together to win our communities, to win our neighborhoods, to win our families. There are people that you have a relationship with that I'm never going to meet. There are people that I have a relationship with that you're never going to meet. Hopefully one day in heaven we'll all meet each other. We'll get to meet them. But it starts with me. Ten minutes every day on my knees. Ten minutes in his word. Being faithful to share his message with one person every week. Is that too much to ask? We have 24, days in a, 24 hours in a day. Seven days in a week. 365 days in a year. We're not asking for very much. I'd like to say spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes and 30 minutes and then share with 30 people. But we'll start. Start small and build. You may not be there to say, maybe I can't spend 10 minutes. I don't have a whole lot of time. You know there are things called audiobooks as you're riding, the, riding to work? You can get the audio Bible. I love it. I've been, I've been listening to audio books while I'm at work early in the morning. Man, there's so much good stuff out there. Listen to podcasts. Let it fill my mind with good stuff and so I'm not frustrated and angry at the world. And I leave and I'm driving in rush hour traffic going, God is awesome. In rush hour traffic. You can have that positive attitude because you're filling your mind full of good stuff. Ten minutes a day. Ten minutes a day. One person a week. And you will just help the world discover that God is seeking them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us. I thank you, God, that you died for us, that you did not leave us by ourselves, leave us to our own devices, 
But Father, you sought us when we were lost. You sought us when we were stuck in the pit. You sought us when we were stuck in that crack. And you picked us up. You did whatever it took to find us. One day, one, one day long ago, Father, we were all lost. We were one of those lost things. And you found us. Let us rediscover today the precious relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand to sing this final song together. As we sing this out, let this be a prayer between you and God as we seek to rediscover our relationship with Him and stand and sing together. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been.